The Ambitious Mum Podcast. Different women, different lives, different ambitions. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and every week I'll be having honest conversations about ambition. Yes, I am ambitious, but not ambitious to the detriment of, you know, it's for my own self-satisfaction. If I do something, I want to do it well. Motherhood. I think you cannot be Mary Poppins, you know, you can't be, you can't be all things to all, but, you know, you're honest. And everything in between. The world has changed, and if you don't embrace the, the education and the knowledge, then you miss out. And I mean, I've got loads of stuff planned for the next 20 years, and none of them involve a Zimmer. We'll explore how their ambitions and careers have evolved while being a parent, and I'll be digging deep, acknowledging the taboos, the sacrifices, and the sheer grit and perseverance working mums don't talk about. I was never bothered if anybody liked me, as long as they respected me. Now, I think I actually would like to be liked. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Ambitious Mum podcast. I'm your host, Kate Moore Youssef, and this is episode six. Now, this week's guest is definitely an interesting one. I was a little bit nervous, actually, about interviewing her. Her reputation definitely uh, precedes her. She, in her own words, is infamous, maybe formidable, but she really couldn't have changed my mind more by the end of our conversation. Liz Taylor is a highly successful businesswoman. She runs TLC, an events company based in the Northwest. And her wall of fame, if you want to call it that, um, in her office was pretty impressive. She had everyone from Gary Barlow to Coronation Street stars to footballers, um, huge musicians. I mean, the list literally just goes on. So when I walked into her office, it was um, a little bit awe-inspiring, I have to say. Her story is actually, you know, makes her quite vulnerable. And she was not afraid to show this in the conversation. She wasn't afraid to be really honest. And I really appreciated that. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I took quite a lot out of it, I have to say. I left feeling really inspired by her drive and her motivation and her passion and her curiosity and excitement for life and um, moving forward with her business as well. So yeah, if you are interested in um, how women grow big businesses, then this one is for you. If you're interested in hearing how someone juggles divorce, children, you know, building a business at the same time and I guess evolving and making sure that you, you know, you're staying ahead of the times, you're just staying on trend, then this is an episode for you. I hope you enjoy. Today on the Ambitious Mum podcast, I've got the fantastic Liz Taylor. I'm sat in her office based in Manchester and I'm surrounded by the most amazing pictures of all your high profile celebrity clients and it is literally just being able to see what you you do on a day-to-day basis so it's it's fantastic to be here um would you say you're probably one of the most successful event planners definitely in the northwest but in the uk 
I'd like to think I was. But it's, it's very interesting that your perspective of it is celebrity-driven. And of course, it never was. You know, in the very early days, it was very much private and corporate, and you, know, you climbed a ladder. And I think that the reason we've attracted the celebrities is because of the product that we deliver. But it's not an arena that I look out to develop. You know, it's not the key thing yeah. um, of the business. And, yeah, I suppose maybe the most infamous event planner, I don't know. It's <laughs> a very formidable reputation. But, um, and you know, what you see is not necessarily what you get. But, um, yeah, I, you know, obviously we're successful. We're still here after two recessions. That's what I was going to ask. So if we just sort of take a few steps back, you launched over 30, was it, is it 30 years? It's 33 years ago. Wow. My, my youngest daughter was two and my elder daughter was three and I just left their father and when I was a single mum and with not a penny, if I tell you not a penny, uh, the only thing that we had was a trust fund that their grandfather, their paternal grandfather had set up for them for their education which enabled me to send them to private school. Right. And I fell into it. I was just, I've been in retail, I've trained with Marks and Spencers, I wasn't academic. You know, if I knew then what I know now, now I would love to have done law, but I didn't. And I was in retail for 12 years and I fell into a situation where the Hilton, um, the Midland Hotel had been bought by the Holiday Inn. And I met the sales director and she wanted to do a Hollywood night. And I said, well, I'll do it, I'm quite organised. And, you know, the rest is history. She gave me three jobs, I put 200 quid in the bank, and off I, off I toddled. So you were a single mum with a three and a two-year-old, and yes. that's when you kind of had a, like this spark of, I could do event planning as a career. No, I never had a spark. Okay. I, it, I was desperate. I, I didn't really want to do retail because I felt that the hours, and I, I didn't really want to go and stand in a shop, whether it was in a management role or however it was. Um, you know, I... I I was, um, I was terrified. I had a, a nanny who I'd had when I was married and she actually saved me for 10 years and she was integral together with my mum for supporting me in what I did. But I just, you know what, I believe in fate mm. and it was fate. I did this Hollywood night. I was offered two other opportunities. I saw that there was a niche for somebody to organise. There was a, there's a very big Jewish... Uh, community in Manchester and they all have bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and being part of that community it was quite easy for me to sort of etch into it and I then the, the biggest turning point was I was on a train and I met the two guys that were designing Granada Studios tour and got chatting to them and they introduced me to the venue and I then became preferred supplier. So if you went on to Baker Street, Royal Bank of Scotland wanted a corporate dinner on Baker Street. Mm. It was brand new. It was exciting. They had to use me. And so I used my chutzpah and, and sort of communicative skills because I didn't really have much of a clue what I was doing other than I've always been very creative. Mm. And I've played the piano since I was four. So I've had all that going on. Um, and... Um, no, you know, I, did, I, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew that I had to put food on the table. See, that's amazing, isn't it? Because when you're in, put in that position of knowing that you're solely responsible for these two young children, it's amazing where you get that inner strength from. And I guess you, you thrived off the, uh, the opportunity. I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment. It's going to come out next spring and it actually gives you an insight into my childhood which was 
um, which which was very um, a huge influence on how I survived um, from a very young age. And you know, this is not a soft story. It's just it was the way that it was. Some people sink and some people swim, but from uh, that shaped me um, because my father was a dreadful bully, and. And, you know, I had these two gorgeous little girls very close together. And, and, and you know, you know as a mum, the love of a mother is just, you cannot, as my girls are both mums now, and you can't explain, it just comes from deep down. And all I wanted to do was protect, protect and provide. Mm. Um, that trust fund of their father, um, he abused the trust fund so that by the time they were 10 and 11, there was nothing left. And that was when my business really kicked in because then I had to take over his private school fees and everything else that went with it. And uh, I put my foot on the accelerator and I thought, fuck this, you know, no one's going to get one over. And, I, and they were my driving force. So that's amazing. So you, you had an innate drive within you, I guess, from, you know, being a mum. But the ambition, did that come from anyone you know, previously, was your mum ambitious? Did you see that within your family? Um, my father was a judge, so I, I, I saw the journey from sort of barrister to QC to judge. Um, and I am, you know, I'm Pisces, so I am very driven. And yes, I am ambitious, um, but not ambitious to the detriment of, you know, it's for my own self-satisfaction. If I do something, I want to do it well. Um, I don't have to be the richest or, you know, the, I, I, or the most successful, but I have to be successful enough for me to be satisfied mm. and content. Yeah. And I have to deliver to my own, um, meet my own expectations. That's, that's a whole separate thing of being the mum and the ambitious mum. But when you set up a business, you have to be ambitious to make it succeed. Vision, I guess, yeah. Yeah, you've got to have vision. Yeah. And people's perception, everyone has different perceptions of ambition. You know, people look at me and they think, oh my God, you know, she's she's tough and she's hard and she's a bitch and I wouldn't cross her. And she, But it's not, it's the belief in what I do. And, you know, if you were to come to me for an event, I would want to give you the best that I possibly could. That to me is ambition. Yeah. Um, my children went and worked in a cafe from the age of 14 and I could very easily have indulged them, which I have done over the years in different ways, but I didn't because I wanted them to have the ambition. If they wanted a dress from Topshop to go out on a Saturday night, they had to go and buy it because that is satisfaction. That's part of the ambition that's built in you. Yeah. And whatever I do for them independently is my prerogative. So it's a learning curve. It's part of your upbringing. Yeah. So I see a lot of um, different women and they have this issue with perfectionism and kind of trying to strive for this sort of perfect life. And I guess with working in the events industry, um, you have to have a really exacting eye for detail. How do you, do you find that that perfectionism kind of spills over into other parts of your life? Or do you know how to have those lines of, yes, I need to create a perfect event for my clients, but other things, I don't put pressure on myself. I could answer you. We could sit here for two hours with that and answer that question. There's, there's, there's two things. First of all, the product that I am delivering is intangible. 
The only way that I can make you believe that you're going to get the best from me is by talking to you, maybe showing you a mood board, and from all these pictures that are surrounding you here. You have no idea what you're walking into until the night. My level of repeat business just will endorses what I do. So for me, perfectionism is creating a dream, um, you know, going in somebody's head and making sure that the attention to detail is so spectacular and it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm not out there to be to, trying to be clever. I'm just out there doing the job. The fact that I'm selling something that you cannot see mm. just makes it harder. So it's how you perceive perfection. I think that from a personal perspective, I am not the one to ask. I've had two disastrous marriages. I mean, one of them, the most recent one, the worst, because I was um, fo totally focused on my business and my children. And um, I didn't want my husband to have the responsibility, their education and everything that went with it. And so I suppose my priorities were my kids, my business and my husband. And what and was that in order? Yeah. So perfection, you know, I've not found perfection. Have I found satisfaction? And have I found, and do I love what I do? And um, am I open-minded about the future? And, and you know, I, I haven't achieved anything near what I want to do, so I've probably not achieved perfection. See, that's really exciting to know that doesn't matter, you know, what age you get to, you are always striving for more fulfillment and satisfaction and I guess diversifying your career but just sort of stepping back to what you were saying about your marriage and I guess as women nowadays we are kind of expected to tick quite a lot of boxes of having a career having a family kind of juggling it all to some degree and I guess things have to give. So whether it is you're not around as much to, for your children, you've got a nanny, and if that worked, brilliant, or you are around for your family, but you're not feeling fulfilled from a career perspective, how, what advice would you give to any woman that is, you know, trying the hardest to have a fulfilled, ambitious career and they're bringing up um, family and they're trying to have a good, successful relationship as well? Where... Where do, where do we have to take the pressure off from ourselves now? I think the key thing is communication. And I think that as long as you communicate and you're honest with one another, and honesty is, a, is, a, um, is hugely important, and trust, then I think that you have the foundations to build whatever you need to build. I think in this day and age, you know, when I started off it was very different, but in this day and age, um, most Women, all women work, you know, it's a shared responsibility. The, the, the bringing up children, whether they're in private education or they're not, is hugely expensive. And with the economy and the challenges and everything else, very difficult for a single parent, whether it be the man or the woman, to do it alone. So I think that in itself um, attracts a mutual respect. I think you cannot be Mary Poppins, you know, you can't be, you can't be all things to all, but you know, you're honest. So for me, the thing for me that was the worst in bringing them up was four o'clock in the afternoon when I knew that they were getting off the school bus. Mm. And I had a small office in Altrincham because, because I needed to work out of my home to motivate myself. It was important to put my face on, put my black suit on, get my handbag and go to an office and do this properly. 
Four o'clock, my heart used to sink. And I used to sit there thinking, can I go, can I go? And then I thought, no, I can't go because 20 past five, somebody might phone up for a bar mitzvah for 400 people. So I'd sit in the office till half past five. You know what, my kids survived. Mm. My kids had tea, they survived. And when I got home, I didn't put them to bed at five o'clock. I put them to bed at seven o'clock. And we, you know, we, we, did, we did amazing things together. Every year we went on a trip the three of us, and we shared a room. So we started with Dublin, then we went to Barcelona, then we went to Madrid. We did all the cities Amazing. over like a, however many years. And so those are the things that they remember. Yeah. So just focus on what they're going to remember, not on what you haven't done, mm. but what you have done. And when they want to go to the theatre to see Cinderella at the ballet, and the tickets are 50 quid each or whatever, you can buy four tickets because, you know, it's, and it's not all material, it's not all money-driven, but... Just balance it in your head. Justify it yourself. You know, you can't be in three different places. So the kids might have tea half an hour later. The kids might not have tea. They might have a takeout pizza. Yeah. You know, they're not going to fall apart. And your husband, so I'm, I had dinner on the table every night. I, you know, but I was in control. And I don't say that was the reason why my marriage broke down because my circumstances were different. Mm -hmm. But the, what I did take out of it in all the therapy that I've had, and I've had a lot, is that you cannot control the world. Mm. Don't try and control. Um, you know, just go with the flow a bit. Control the circumstances that you can. Yeah, yes, exactly. The Ambitious Mum Podcast. So you've now got, you've got two girls who are in their 30s and you've got how many grandchildren? I've got three and I've got one due on, and I've oh. got a little boy coming on January the 7th. Wow, amazing. So, yeah. And how has that changed you, seeing your girls grow up and become mums themselves and looking back of how you, when you were bringing them up and what you, not, not what you changed, but what perspective do you have now as a grandmother? Um, well, first of all, I would have had grandchildren before I had children, which is much nicer, and I love them. I adore them, absolutely adore them. And there's two things. If I had a pound for every time either my kids said to me, Mum, we don't know how you did it, mm. I wouldn't have to work again. So that, to me, is I'm proud. I'm proud of them, and I'm proud of me. Um, they, Katie lives in New York, and she's running a, a PR company over there. They've gone over for her job. She's the breadwinner. He works for Deutsche Bank, but she is the she's the and the dynamics are you know we've discussed it many times are irrelevant whether it's the man or the woman or the yin or the yang. He cooks. He bakes his own bread. He's he's a provider. He's an amazing father. So uh, it's nice to watch um, how their relationship is is evolving yeah. and developing. And Goldie lives in London. She's got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. She's married to a solicitor who's very driven. She works for a charity. And again, they're very independent. I like who they are. Mm -hmm. I like what they've become. And, I'm, and I take great pride in the fact that, you know, their father had very, very little to do with their upbringing. Their stepfather did, but not the father. And I take pride in the fact that, you know, I made them who they are and they're proud of me. We're dead close. What more do I, I couldn't, don't yeah. want more out of that. Absolutely. And I think it is amazing that they, you know, they see now. I think, you know, as a, as a daughter myself, you kind of, when you're in the thick of it and you see your mum doing what they're doing and it's easy to judge. 
And then as you become a mum yourself and you, you realise actually life isn't easy and you, you have to make decisions and whether or not at the time, you know, it's the right decision for your child or it's the right decision for you, but you have to make choices. And now it's easy to see how, you know, you can prioritise different things at different times. So your girls have sort of saw you, you know, working like crazy to make sure that there's food on the table and they could have the private education. And they can still see that you are doing the same, but this is, I guess, more for personal fulfilment and satisfaction. The hardest thing for my girls was when my marriage broke up a few years ago and I became a child. So I virtually had a breakdown. I almost lost the business. Um, I was um, having serious um, therapy. Um, I was drinking far too much at the end of the day. And I couldn't cope. I didn't expect it. I'd been deceived in the most despicable way, both financially and emotionally. And all of a sudden, my kids became a parent. And they couldn't deal with that. And I actually wasn't aware of it. And it wasn't until I was well into the therapy. I, I've had three therapists to take me along this course. So it's been sort of five or six years. And, you know, looking at me, you wouldn't think that, that you know, but... Underneath here, there was, it, I was broken, totally broken, and I'm still going out there making these parties for Manchester United, Gary Barlow, Robin, all these people with a smile on my face. It was the most challenging. How did you get up time. in the morning when you were going through the worst of it and knowing that you had to throw a party and I had to be the best party? I don't know how I got up. I really don't. I had amazing friends, and the team here were, held the fort for me. But, but, um, I did. I did, you know, that survival instinct. And I don't know how I did. But it was my therapist that was the one that actually realised that the relationship with the, ch with the children was deteriorating so much that it could, I could have lost that as well because of my behaviour. And um, I did a lot of work in, with myself in order to change that. And it's now stronger than ever, closer than ever, a mutual respect. And my perception, my, my understanding of them has changed. You know, I'm not as, um, I won't say, I'm coming to London on Friday and I'm going to be on the 10 o'clock train. So if you could meet me at Euston at 12, then we'll go for lunch. Mm. My approach now is, are you free on Friday? Because I'd like to come to London and I'll, make, I'll get in at about midday. Should we have a bit of lunch? And I've adopted that right through my entire life. So at work, but they used to tease me and say that, you worked for me, didn't you? Didn't you work for no, me? No, you asked me to. Did I ask you to? You asked me to, and I was about eight weeks pregnant. Oh, right. And I um, knew that I, I couldn't say yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the girls, um, you know, they've been with me a long time, which is testament to that they get me. Mm. But, you know, they, it was like, you need to go on anger management. You know, you can't do this. I'd be up in arms over the most minute thing. And it's changed my whole perspective of, you know, nothing is, if they make a mistake, Mm. You know, they make a mistake. They know that I'm, you know, not happy. But instead of me losing my rap and screaming or creating an, a, a, an atmosphere because I'm frustrated or I'm not happy at home or, you know, everything's got to be just as I want it, everyone has a voice. Mm. And I think that's probably what I've got out of this most, that everyone has a voice. And sometimes it's quite interesting to listen to other people's voices. It's amazing, isn't it, how you can learn. I know you went I'm through... I'm 63 and I'm still learning. 
you yeah. know, and I love, I love the fact, you know, I asked you when you arrived what a podcast was, mm. but, you know, the whole, everything's changed, social media, we're led by social media, the world has changed, and if you don't embrace the, the education and the knowledge, then you miss out, and I, I've got loads of stuff planned for the next 20 years, and none of them involve a Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, looking at you now, you definitely don't look 63, so we can forget the numbers. And, I mean, I don't even need to ask you the question if you're just as ambitious as you've always been, because it seems like you're, you know, driven and you're not going to stop driving forward. And I guess you've got plans to diversify as well. So are you, can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so um, as a result of everything that I've sort of gleaned along the way, I've been asked to speak. So I've been speaking for a number of years at MNU to the students, and I do it sort of twice a year. They keep asking me to go back and... What do you um, speak to them about? I, sp- I speak to them about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I speak to them about business and sort of branding and, um, and believing in yourself. You know, there's hundreds of students there doing event management and business degrees, and there'll be one job per 20 students. The only ones that are going to shine are the ones that believe in themselves and bullshit their way in the knowledge that they will be able to deliver. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, yes, exactly. And I think, um, and you know, tips and things along the way. Anyway, so I, I speak there and I do motivational speaking. Um, this Thursday I've been invited to speak at the director di- director's dinner of Together Money, which is a massive company. And I was really flattered to talk at that. So, and I've had lots of experiences. So um, I'm putting that into, into a business frame and I'm, I'm actually, going to start getting paid for it and I'm also um, doing brand associations so I will link in with clothing brands um, all sorts of I do restaurant brands where so with the restaurants I go in and I train the staff and I um, implement quirky innovative things to make it you know a, 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 a step above and I love doing that. I've done that for Lone Star. And well, I guess you've got this hospitality eye now and the yes. experience of knowing what makes a good atmosphere a bad atmosphere. And, and I think a lot of restaurateurs fail at that. They can create everything and then you walk in and there's just no atmosphere. Well, you eat with your eyes yeah. and service is key. So if I served you scrambled eggs on a magnificent glass plate with, you know, the, the lemon wrapped in the thing and the bread and what have you, and somebody came over and said enjoy here's a glass you know it's that whole experience it's never but that to me you know you never go away from a party saying i had a great piece of chicken Mm. you go home and say oh my god the entertainment was sensational the service was phenomenal and i got totally pissed (laughs) you know so that so that's my that's the branding and um i do christmas decor i do it in houses and i do restaurants and i do um all sorts of different things and I've got a very very exciting project on the boil which I can't discuss but it's with um, somebody relatively famous and a brand that's been developed and so my girls will continue to run the business I will build Narnia and then I'll go off and do my um, my thing so do you think you'll ever retire never no never and no I'm going to sit on a beach with them the the girls have just made me buy I had an iPad but I didn't realise it wasn't the same as having the laptop, so now they've brought me a laptop, so I can work from anywhere. Which... Do you ever switch off from work? Do you find, are you always programmed to see a new opportunity or spot something that you think, oh, I can bring that in? Do you ever have a time where you're just 
being and not thinking about creativity? No, not really. I mean, um, I go on the treadmill most mornings and the treadmill for me is the most motivated. I, I go on there with my music as loud as loud can be and I come up with the most bizarre concepts, which I ended up doing this event with Gary Barlow last year and we raised over half a million for charity. So what, you were on your treadmill? I was on a treadmill in Israel. Okay. I was at a wedding, a wedding I was a guest of. And I'm looking out over the sea and I thought, you know, I am blessed here. I'm going to do something for charity. And by the time I got off, I contacted Gary Barlow and I said I wanted to do something for child bereavement and three other Northwest charities. I contacted Gary Neville and asked him if he'd host it. I contacted Bentley and they gave me a Bentley convertible to auction and I did it. And we raised over half a million pounds and I'll never do it again, ever. But it was... <laughs> it was um, so, yeah, so, the tre- so, I can't remember what you asked me, the treadmill is a, the treadmill's an inspirational moment. Do I switch off? No, if I go in a room, there is always a victim in the room. I always, always, always find somebody. If I sit on a train, if I sit on a plane, I've got the most amazing platforms. I'm interested in people. Mm. They don't just have to have a party. Everybody is, has got a story to tell, and I've got the most eclectic mix of friends. I detox in Turkey twice a year, and, you know, one... One year I'm sat next to Kate Moss, and the next year I'm sat next to this woman from Lebanon who's got this most magnificent art gallery. You know, you just meet all sorts of different people, and I love that. And I guess it's spotting opportunities, isn't it? And you can either make that decision to say, like, to embrace a new opportunity, or be like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm too busy for that. And I guess that's why you are constantly moving forward and looking forward as opposed to kind of focusing on what you were doing five, ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a bit of a party hall. You know, if I, if I go in a room and I'm much happier going in a room, in a room on my own and um, introducing myself. I mean, I went to Eamon Holmes' surprise 60th last week and I went on my own, I didn't know anyone. Mm. And I came away with like five new best friends. And, you know, <laughs> really, I had the best time mm. because everyone likes to meet different people um and that's a unique character trait that a lot of people probably don't have to walk into a room and know that they can walk up to anyone and have that confidence to talk to them it is confidence but yeah. yeah that comes with experience yeah and i guess being part part of people's parties and events for so many years you just know how to work a room or yes yeah you do and you every do every person could be a potential new client yes yeah, and never, ever underestimate anyone. Mm. Because sometimes the people that are the least conspicuous or the quietest or might even look a bit geeky or, you know, might not be in designer gear or whatever are the ones that are the most intelligent with the biggest budgets. And if they haven't got the biggest budgets, they've got access to, you know, PAs, to CEOs. Sometimes you do think, you know, how they got the job. But they have... They're the ones that do the pillow talk, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory yeah. way, but they're the ones that influence the boss. So I've never, ever, um, ever underestimated anybody. And I like the fact that, um, I like the fact, I've enjoyed meeting, you know, all sorts of people. So going back to the switching off, do you 
when you go into grandma mode, whatever, I don't know what they call you. <laughs> they look like a grandma. They call me busy <laughs> and they call me glamour mom. Okay. Glamour. Yes, that's probably the only time. Occasionally at weekends at home, if I've had a really heavy week and I've worked and I've done events, like yesterday, Sunday, I just collapsed. I had the Sunday papers. Mm. I watched about 15 episodes of The Crown and ended up in bed at night. I was Sounds exhausted. Blissful. It was. It was absolutely. Um... I'm not a great party person. I don't like to go to parties. So my idea is having some friends around the kitchen table with hot salt beef and a bottle of red wine. Or I'm not a great cook. And um, I like, I do like simple things. If I go on holiday, I, I don't like anything pretentious. Um, you know, I went with a florist and his, his husband last year. India had always been on my bucket list. And we did India, and yeah, okay, we said, I said, tell us for that one, but it was, I bought, you know, 15 vests from H&M, 15 pairs of socks, and that, everyone went in the bin, but I did it as I wanted to do it. Next year, I'm going on a sailing boat. I don't like pretense in my life, but I actually like to deliver the most pretentious, of, not, you know, the most extravagant and exciting I guess yes. that's I guess that's how you have that divide between work and life yes and probably. you see the glamour and and everything as you part of your work life and I guess the more simple things just yeah that's they what my boat, yes so a question that I ask all my guests is I guess this is a retrospective um perspective on your life when you were a new mum and you were setting with the business and you, you obviously didn't know what was to come. You didn't really know maybe how far your business would go, what your personal life would take. What would you tell yourself then, that that girl 30-odd years ago, what you know now? Not to be frightened. It'll be all right on the night. Hmm. That's exactly because I, I, there is not one day, and I include now, that I don't wake up worried about whether I'm going to get the big job, whether I'm going to have the business next year, whether I can keep these girls employed. There has never, ever been a day. And however busy I might be, you know, this month in particular, December, which is unusual, with chocolate, you know, I'm working in London next Friday, I'm coming back to the United Party, so it goes on. I'm only panicking that I've only got one job in January at the moment. Now, it will come in. Mm. And next year is does look healthy, providing that Labour don't get in on whatever. Um, but, yeah, don't panic. You know, enjoy the ride because it will be all right on the night. As long as you believe in yourself, you're honest, you're trustworthy, and you're focused, you will be fine. That's great. What amazing advice. I'm sat there wanting to <laughs> scribble all that down. Um, thank you so much. I know that you do a lot of... Um, my last question is, is mentoring. And you speak to other women in business, maybe who are setting up businesses, um, you know, when they're at a younger stage in their lives. And what other advice do you give them that you have maybe not mentioned then? What, what do you um, see? Um, I think it's, I was trained at Marks and Spencer's and the training was life changing. I worked in every single department. I filled in every piece of paperwork. And I learned that you never ask to do somebody to do a job that you won't do yourself. So I went with, with, with all those tools into, and, and with those tools, you can go into anything that you want to do. Um, that you, you have to have mutual respect. You know, you are not above and beyond anybody else. And you have to have belief in what you're doing. 
And in respect of whether you fail, you know, failure is good. Failure makes you stronger. And um, somebody else said to me once, it was one of my counsellors, when, and it was relating to my marriage, and, and I said, well, you know, I, I thought you had me on a pedestal. Well, there's only one place you can go when you get to the top, and that is down. So I am not at the top, and I hope I'm never at the top. And I think you have to, you, you know, when I mentor, um, there, it, there are different headings. You know, there's the, these, there's the administrative side of a business, there's the people side of the business. I mean, this all looks terribly glamorous, and you know, looking at wonderful flowers and lighting, but behind that, there are reams and reams of paperwork where the chairs are delivered at 6.30 a.m. because the lighting has to go in at 8.30 a.m. And it's all, you know, it's the organisation. Mm. The organisation and the coordination of whatever you're doing, the belief in what you're doing, and it varies. Um, you know, I am a businesswoman, I'm not a party planner. You know, I have 14, 15 houses that I've invested in along the way. I've been very savvy with my money and it's a good job because I'm, you know, I find myself in this situation now, you know, I support myself. And, um, and I love business and, I, and, I lo and I'm very interested in talking to, you know, John Caldwell is a client of mine. And um, these are really interesting guys to to get bits of advice off, information off. But you know, always be humble. Mm. You know, you, you go you go out with what you came in and humility and you know, however tough you are, you can still have the respect and the humility for other people. And to close, my thing always was that I was never bothered if anybody liked me as long as they respected me. Mm. That was my thing. Now, I think I actually would like to be liked. Um, I think that's because I accept that my journey's been, I've been fine. Mm. But, it, but that was a barrier. You know, I don't care if you don't like me, but you've got to respect me. That was my barrier. Mm. That was between. Do you think that's because you were maybe... Uh, a career strong ambitious woman amongst um, a lot of men because you were doing I guess building a business back when a lot of women weren't doing that they maybe could, would be working but we weren't taking their career to the next level and it know. never bothered me I mean I never bothered it never bothered me whether it was male or female um, I I think that I think we are responsible for making it a man's world um, I think the difference now, and I think it is, it, it, I think it is driven by the economy, is that both men and women do have to work, and that's been an integral part of women's journey. Um, you know, I envy people that went and studied, and you know, I, if I had my time again, I would have done law. I'd have loved to have been a barrister, but then I wouldn't have given, you know, I wouldn't trade anything that I've had because I've had the most amazing time. Um, no, I've never been intimidated by men, and also. Um, Hey, I didn't choose to do it. I never thought that I would have to work to bring up my children. I thought that I would marry a nice Jewish guy mm. and live in a very lovely suburb in a, you know, four-bedroom detached house and lunch and go to the gym and go to Selfridges shopping. But knowing you now and seeing what you've achieved over these years, you would have been stifled 
I'd have been dead. You you know, you I clearly would... had a serious amount of business acumen and um, creativity. And if you had committed to that way of life, you would be emotionally... I would. I mean, it, 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 you know, I'd have been the most unfulfilled, yeah. unhappy person. So fate took its course. Mm. And, you know, in throwing the challenges at me, it brought the best out of me. So do you think you've softened now as you've got older? Definitely. And are you going to be bringing that more into the way you, I guess, you drive the business forward? Do you think there'll be the way you are hoping to diversify? Do you think that softer side of you will come out more? I think um, I struggle a little bit because people, you know, I did the programme, The Millionaire Party Planner, and it was not the best. It, you know, all you saw was this real tough bitch of a woman spending other people's money. And they edited it in such a way that it took all the nice bits out. Um, so people do have this perception and I do have, you know, um, I, I have a great PR so, you know, uh, who does really well for me. So I am out there as a person, but um, I'm very happy in myself. I know that the people that work with me have got the same suppliers I've had for 30 years. I still sit and have a beer with them. I still sit and have fish and chips with them. They know who I am. That's all that matters. The people that matter to me know who I am. And that's all that matters. Amazing. Oh, well, I'm wishing you even more success and luck moving forward. And I can't wait to see what you, you do with the new side of the business. <laughs> and hope, well, I'll hopefully come back to you when new things develop and we can yeah, carry on definitely. the chat. Thank you so much. Thank really you. enjoyed that. Thanks. Thank you. So that is this week's episode done. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'd love to know if some of the insights resonated with you or if there were some takeaways that you're possibly able to apply to your life. I would really love to hear your feedback and perspective on today's conversation as well. Perhaps we talked about a topic that sparks something within you, or you have something to offer to the other listeners. Either way, I would love to hear from you. In order to help grow the Ambitious Mum community and allow the podcast to be heard by other people, please do rate, subscribe and share it across your social networks this will really help with the visibility of a new podcast you can find me on instagram and facebook under coaching by kate and do use the hashtag the ambitious mum podcast so i can find your comments easily so please do get in touch if you have any more to say i'll also provide all links to my guests and my contact details on the ambitious mum show notes too see you next week Thank you.